It's in you. You possess the power. Just pretend like you're 20% better than you are. Vanessa Demopoulos. Let's go hard. I need some motivation. Motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. Dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Try to myself when I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. If this is your first time tuning in, this is a podcast that's designed really to help you win. We talk about strategies and tactics on leadership, high performance, goal setting and achievement, mindset, and just overall success. The goal here is to empower you to stand up and lead yourself and lead your team. That could be a small team, large team, anywhere in between. Uh, for today's episode, you know, I have an, an awesome guest for you today. I have a really a badass for you guys today. Um, today's, today's guest is a professional athlete. She is known as the toughest and strongest straw weight on the planet. She's a former LFA champion. You know, when I, when I look at her, I see somebody that's just glowing with energy. She's transparent, but she's a rising star. You know, she's somebody that, you know, you can just feel the goodness in her heart. And when you see that, you want that person to succeed even more. You know, it's, it's, it's really rewarding to see people like that succeed in life. At the same time, you know, when, when you meet her, um, there's, a, there's a little bit of, there's this unparalleled level of confidence that she has. And it's very telling that if push comes to shove, she'll knock you out, she'll submit you or do whatever it takes that she has to do to win and come out on top. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Vanessa, aka Little Monster, Demopolis. Jeremy Sullivan, what is up? Jeremiah, my guy. You yeah. guys, listen, thank you so much, everyone, for having me on this podcast, bro. Dude, listen, an intro like that. Like, what are we even doing here? You, like, <laughs> lit me up. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, you know, I like, to, uh, I like to tell people who I truly see, you know what I mean? And um, a lot of times you get on podcasts and stuff <laughs> and people are doing the podcast train where they don't really understand the scope of the person that they're bringing on the show. And yeah. um, I think that it does the person a disservice and there's a lot to capture with really knowing somebody and highlighting that for the audience. And so I, yeah, meant every word. I'm excited to, to dive in today. Dude. Thanks, Jeremiah. I appreciate that, man. Um, Let's rock so and roll. Yeah. So I want to <laughs> talk to you, you know, there's some topics that I want to talk to you about specifically. Okay. And they're going to be, you know, everybody, you're going to want to take notes on this. Okay. So if you're driving or whatever, you know, obviously pay attention to the road, but you're going to have to come <laughs> back to this and write down some nuggets my goal here is to unlock essentially your success code, right? So I want to talk about winning and I want to talk about sacrifices that go along with success. Okay. That'll be the mm -hmm. core of the episode. But you know, before I do that, I do want to um, ask you something. Where does, where does your nickname, your fight name come from? Little monster. Little monster. Okay. So, you know, I mean, aside from like the explosions of energy that I have, like at all times of the day, with the exception of when I'm sleeping, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, when, when I first started training, I, I came up with one of those coaches that just really loved to yell at everybody. He'd be walking around the room just in our ears, right? And he always used to say, like, in this room, we build machines and we create monsters. And I was like, I was always out working everybody in the room when I first started, you know, and I say that boldly, but it's true. There was like pro fighters who were like three times my size, twice my size, but you know, <laughs> in the room. And I'm training side by side with them and I'm brand new. I don't know what I'm doing. So I also don't know what my threshold is. All I know is my coach is saying to keep going. So I got to keep going. <laughs> so everybody just started calling me a monster and I'm so small. So yeah. little monster just stuck. <laughs> it's, it's very fitting. And I didn't know, I just learned recently that you have little monster stickers that people can buy and be a part of your, be part of your team. And I, I love them. They're like this little like goblin looking thing with a ripped off arm that's bleeding from it. I got to get some of those. those are yes. so, I love yeah. my little monster stickers. So it's very fitting. You know, I want to talk a little bit about your personal story first, as we dive into everything, you know, how, how long have you been involved in, in mixed martial arts? And I, I did highlight some of your career achievements, but would you mind talking a little bit more in detail about both of those and things you've accomplished and how long you've been in the sport? 
Yeah, it's like really wild. I did like a, some seminars recently. And when you start a seminar, like you talk about all the achievements that you have. And literally each class that I started, I like had a whole different list of achievements because honestly, like I've just gone along this journey and continue to push myself and push myself. And the accolades have just piled up and it wasn't ever something I focused on, but it's what I've become. And it's really, really cool. I've been fighting for about 11 years now, which is mind blowing to me. But when I started the journey, all I wanted to do was fitness. I started having Muay Thai fights. I took second at American Nationals for Muay Thai. I'm a five-time world medalist, and we're talking IBJJF and world pro in Abu Dhabi. I'm a seven-time American National Champion for IBJJF, two-time Pan American Champion. I'm a two-time EBI vet. So Eddie Bravo Invitational, I was one of the first girls on the scene. So I was on the first female card of the EBI. Mm. Um, I was one of the first girls on the submission-only scene. So, and that was back when I was a purple belt fighting black belts. It's just been so cool, man. As an amateur, I had the tough enough belt in amateur MMA. And as a professional, I won the LFA title belt. Yeah. Oh, I recently became the first female to ever fight a male in a submission only tournament. It's been really, really cool. And now I'm in the UFC. That's been like one of my main goals for a long time now. And I'm just really blessed to be able to live my dreams, you know? Yeah, and that's phenomenal. And that you're saying that that's all a result of just constantly going internal and pushing yourself is what you're saying there. Absolutely. You know, it's just like, what can I achieve? Like, what can I get after? What can I go for? For me, I love pushing my limits. I love seeing what I'm capable of. You know, I've always believed that we're capable of so much more than we believe in ourselves. Whether I see like, yes, I can or whatever, I never count myself out. Whether I think I can or not, I go after it, you know, mm. like I really want to put my all towards that because I know that I'm capable of more than what I believe I can achieve. When did that shift happen for you? Have you always been like that? I came up in a really rougher situation. You know, I found myself kind of homeless as a teenager, not kind of, I was home. I was a yeah. homeless teenager. Everybody counted me out a hundred percent. I wasn't supposed to become anything, you know, like my family didn't expect anything from me. When I started to kind of come out of that, I really realized you can do absolutely anything because nobody expected anything of me. So anything that I did do outside of like past being alive, mind you, was a huge accomplishment and something that nobody had expected. Yeah, I really started discrediting my own self-talk and saying things like, you can't do this, like you shouldn't be able to do this. And I'm just like, let's see what we can do. We came this far, like we can go so much farther. You know, you mentioned it, you were homeless as a teenager. This is in high school. Talk to me about that. How rough was your upbringing? What was it like? I was raised by my grandparents. My parents were in the entertainment industry. My mom was a dancer. My dad was a DJ. So my grandparents were like the better vehicle. And they were just, you know, so far out of the age range that they weren't relatable. I found myself getting hooked up with the wrong crowd, you know, and making bad decisions. And everyone's like, well, how do you end up like that? And it's like, you don't ask for it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one negative decision at a time yeah. that you find yourself in those types of positions. So the way to get out of them is making one better decision at a time. I don't even want to say good decisions because at that time I still wasn't making good decisions, but I was making one better decision at a time to get myself out of the rut that I found myself in through bad decisions. <laughs> Yeah. And so when you say homeless, like, what was that? Like couch surfing on friends' place? It's kind of like that. Is that the picture there? And I wish that was the picture. <laughs> I've been homeless like that as an adult. And that was, that was a different adventure. And I was more grateful for those types of situations. No, when I say homeless at this time, I was living actually in an abandoned house without any plumbing. And yeah, there was just a mattress on a floor in an attic that yeah. I felt safest in. And even there, I like, I found like little kids were playing hide and seek in this uh, area. And yeah, I was, it was not, not ideal. <laughs> not well, ideal. No, I think, I thank you for sharing that because people need to understand the contrast here. I think a lot of times, especially Americans, we get, there's entitlement that is just plagued in our country. And, and we forget that there's people out there that are really, truly struggling inside of our country and outside. And when you have that perspective, it sheds light onto how good you actually have it and that you're not actually entitled to the things that you do have. And then it also shows you what you're capable of, right? Like if somebody like yourself can go from literally living in an attic 
and being homeless, sleeping on an air mattress to building a successful career, being an entrepreneur. I see he was a successful entrepreneur, not even just a successful fighter. And then continuing to push themselves and claw out of it. That just says a lot for somebody that's listening. So I appreciate you sharing it. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. You're right. And that that's where like I get the mindset of like you really truly can create anything because I know where I came from. If you ever see my Instagram story, you know, full of life, all that, but I truly do believe in every single person because I know how deep those trenches are and I know how much you can truly come out of them. So I, I really believe in people. So somebody that is in that rut, right? Because I deal with a lot of people like this. I coach a lot of people that are in ruts and they could be a deep rut that they're like buried in, or it could just be like, they're super complacent and they want out of that rut. So for somebody that wants to start making some changes like you did, don't make a good decision, just make a better decision. Is there any other advice that you could give them to kind of pull themselves out? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't look at all of the situations as one whole. You can't fix absolutely everything at the same time. There's going to be some things that have to go wayside. Let's just say like you have like a big pile of shit. (laughs) Take small chunks. There's always something that can be fixed on a smaller level. It's really, really about like the small steps and it's about separating the situations. You know, you, you can't look at your whole life and say, all of this is fucked. And it might be at that moment, but say like, all of these are separate situations. I have 10 different things. Let me focus on one or two and let me make those a little bit better. And then once you start climbing one or two rings on one or two situations, then you can start to the next situation, you know, and start elevating each situation separately. And then that's how you start to really like, get your whole life together. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't happen by trying to eat the whole elephant at once. You got to start off with a foot. I think that's important, man. Cause people need to hear that. You know, a lot of times life can get overwhelming and shit and you forget the power of taking consistent action and just compounding it across time. And that's what you're talking about. So for yourself, yeah. you're in this negative, this bad spot, you're in this rut. And what were some of the things that you did to pull yourself out and what happened next in your journey? First off, I leaned on people so hard, man. I think that a lot of people have, you know, they struggle with being comfortable talking about their struggles or they don't want to burden other people with their current situations. They're like, man, everybody's going through something. I don't Mm. want, you know, they don't, my situation's not that important to them. No, that's not true. People care a lot more than we believe that they care. I leaned on people so hard to get through situations. If someone could offer me help, I accepted that help and very graciously and tried to give back in different ways that I could. Also, positive self-talk. Literally, I cannot stress this enough. I would wake up and I'd be like in my car or first thing in the morning, I'd be like, Vanessa, I love you. Vanessa, you're doing great. You know, like you're amazing. You can get through this. This is wonderful. Like I'm proud of you. And I was just always talking to myself, even in a third person, like that was so life-changing for me. That was so powerful because it got me through some of my deepest times just by being positive to myself and being patient with myself. Like Mm -hmm. Vanessa, it's okay. Like just keep trying, try again. You got this girl, like keep going. That was really what helped me because not everybody can pick up the phone all the time. When they can't, you got to be there for you. But also trust that people do want to help you, you know, and lean on them where you can. Everybody's here together. We're all a part of this experience called life. So we all get it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Positive self-talk out loud to yourself and kind of command what you want from yourself in that moment. I'm trying to picture this though. I mean, you know, I'm picturing you making this change, but what what exactly was happening in your life where it was like, dude, I fucking had enough of this. I need to get my shit together. I need to pull myself out of this, this hole that I'm in. Like what exactly was going on and at what moment did it switch? And then what did you do specifically next? Shape that picture for me a little bit more. Even as you bring that up, it's not just a moment. There have been so many moments that have happened where I started to like kick myself into reset mode, you know? Sure. And then it's like, You get comfortable at that level. Like, let's say that you're starting off here. This is me, homeless (laughs) as a teenager. I think that moment was when I started seeing little kids playing hide and seek in the area that I was trying to keep as a haven for myself, Mm. you know? And that's when I was like, let's get out of this. Let's move on to the next level. So then I go from here to here. And then it's like, all right, so now I'm comfortable here because I'm not here anymore. But now that I'm here, it's like, all right, so now what's that moment to kind of like snap yourself in and then elevate a little bit farther? 
And I think we all get a level of complacency and comfort in where we're at because we start to celebrate where we came from, but we forget to continue to strive for more. You know, you always have to kind of have those goals that you want to create and that's going to keep pushing you. And I know that everybody talks about like, oh yeah, you have to set goals, but it's really important because you will become complacent, you know, and you should be proud of yourself for where you came from. But yeah, understanding like what those switches are for you as you start to rise, you know, and I think that each level of my life had a different switch. No, that's, that's huge because goal, having goals, what it is, is it's a growth plan, right? It's, that's really what it is, right? So, so here we are, we're homeless, you know, these kids come in and we're like, you know, I got to get my shit together. I realized the level that I'm at, I need to get to the next level. What was the next level for you where you, you got out of that and you were like, okay, now I'm maybe I'm complacent and I need to do the next thing. What did that chapter look like? let's take fighting for example. So then it's like, I start doing Muay Thai and I'm succeeding in Muay Thai and I'm feeling like a boss. Now, like I'm head kicking everybody and it's like, it's feeling good. So now like you're beating everybody in the gym and then it's like, okay, cool. Like I got this. Well, now you go out into the other chapters, which are competing. And now like, maybe you're not the baddest person in the competition and you're like, oh snap, now I need to get better. So it's like, you were here in the gym But now you see where other people are and you're like, okay, I got to level up. And like, what does that look like? It continues to to ring up. So level level zero was a rock bottom was the homeless. And then after that, it was getting into Muay Thai. Is that what it was? And then, and then that was like, okay, now I'm going to start competing at this. And I'm trying to try and try and level up here. Is that what is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. A, A part of my, my story is being an entertainer as well. And when I turned 18, I started being an entertainer. And that was like a whole different level in a different arena that I wanted to continuously level up into. But I've always like just been striving for different goals and seeing what competitions I can kind of immerse myself into to see what levels are out there in the world, because I want to be as good as I can become. Yeah. So what was it? What were you doing as entertainment? Like you want to talk about that? Sure. I was an exotic entertainer. Uh, for about 13 years. That's actually what really got me out of the largest ruts. My parents were in the industry growing up, so it was natural for me to kind of lean on them for education. My dad kind of taught me how to hustle and be a professional. So in that arena, it wasn't for me like just going in there and making money because that wasn't always the goal for me. I thought of it as like something I could have fun doing. I looked at pole dancing as its own art I started competing around the country in different pole competitions that I could find, Mm. traveling to see what skills I could attain in different areas of the country. Yeah, I I saw a huge gap that I could fill because my dad helped me to become a professional in the industry. So I actually wrote a book, a how-to manual for other exotic entertainers wanting to come into the industry to become professionals without compromising their morals and values. Oh, that's beautiful. And I did, I I checked that out online. It looks amazing. (laughs) And so I love that leadership side of you. I love that, you know, this is a continuous pattern with you in your life. You know, you, you've done this, you know, did with adult entertainment and you helped others along the way. And actually I see you all the time now in MMA helping others as well. And so the leadership aspect is inside of you. You have this obligation to pull yourself up, right? Lead yourself and then turn around and help others behind you. Is that accurate? Is that always existed in you? Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't anything that I asked for. I think it's something that I was like, man, like I know where I came from and I know how difficult it was. And let me help you. Do you want help? I needed help. I'm here for you. You can't guide people who don't want assistance, but the people who do be there for them because you didn't get here by yourself either. All of this, like, oh, I'm self-made. Nobody helped me. Like, I hope that's not the case for anybody because I know how hard I had to lean on people. That's why I want to be there for anyone who wants the help. And the competitive gene is inside of you too. Like I have this as well. I'm competitive with everything and I'm, I get obsessed. And so this, <laughs> this, is, this exists in both industries as well. What are some of the things that you accomplished in adult entertainment? I mean, you mentioned traveling around and competing. What does that actually look like? Talk to me about that real quick. I think that because the adult entertainment industry is so like, kind of under the radar, it's a little bit more difficult to create those accolades as it is in something like MMA, which is so widely broadcasted. But it's like a lot of the competitions that I did because I had started off in the industry before pole dancing was a big thing before it was this huge fitness craze and all of that. And by the time that became the big fitness craze, I was more MMA focused. So a lot of the competitions that I did, you know, nobody knew about them but it was something that I held and I knew 
you know, it wasn't for anybody else. You don't ever see me really publicizing it. Those are things that I held on to going around the country, becoming recognized. I clubs used to actually fly me in to teach their entertainers how to behave and how to actually dance. So yeah, like that was the level that I was at. I was flown into Miami. I was flown into New York. I've worked at places like Atlanta, like some of the famous clubs all around the country, literally. I was a staple in Las Vegas. It was it was really amazing. And the only thing that kept me from continuing onto that path was I had larger goals in the MMA circuit. And it was kind of one of those, like I could pick and choose, but you can't do both. Right. You know, you can't give 100% of you in two different areas. You're splitting mm. your time and you're splitting your efforts. And I wanted to give 100% to MMA. How hard was that decision for you? Is it pretty tough? Oh my gosh, it was the toughest, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I, I'm so blessed to have had so many different options in my life. I almost went into the WWE a few times. I had Cirque du Soleil was an option. Even recently, I had American Ninja Warrior asking if I wanted to come back because I've done different things in that industry too. And it's like, it's hard to focus when you have other things that are potentials, you know, and all of them are amazing opportunities. Yeah, I call them positive distractions, right? When you have all these, they're pause, they're distractions, but they're also positive things that are being put in front of you. So, you know, let's help somebody with decision making. You know, I think that you've picked an awesome direction. You know, you focus, you said, hey, I'm going to give this up. I'm going to pick the harder path, essentially, which is leave this successful career that I've built. I have all these other options ahead of me. How do you get through making that decision? Like, how do you weigh it and decide, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going all the fuck in. (laughs) Yeah, I look 100 miles down the road. What does this look like for other people in this industry who have become successful? What do their lives look like? And who are they as people? Because money to me isn't everything. Money is a large aspect of a lot of things that we can accomplish in other areas. Like I want to help impact people. Money is going to help with that. But also who are they as people and how happy are they in their lives? Mm. You know, and what is the quality of life? That's how I personally made decisions, you know, and I looked at the different arenas and I chose MMA, but those are how I make my decisions. What is the quality of life? How happy are those people? And what can we create through that? What is this vehicle going to be able to provide in the future? I think that's so important because so many people get caught up in the short-sighted milestones that come along with the path that they're choosing, right? They're saying, hey, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what job to get. Let me take the job that's going to pay me the most right now. And then they go that direction instead of saying like, okay, like you said, a hundred miles down the road or what the, whatever the lifestyle is for this person that I'm, I'm aligning myself with. Like, what's the, what's the lifestyle this person has that I'm essentially following right now. And if it looks like a dead end, it's like, hell no, I'm getting off that road. And I'm going to take this other one because long-term it's going to pay huge. And I don't think enough people have that macro view when they're making their decisions, they're thinking short-sighted, you know, and I think that served you very, very well. And it explains why you continue to progress throughout your entire life is you're constantly thinking like that. Thank you so much. And, and I have found a lot of happiness in what I'm doing and I do feel really fulfilled and being able to kind of serve myself as well as serving others. Yeah. I just, I know where we're going and it's going to continue to elevate. And I think also like, I'm really blessed to have not had a lot of things when I was coming through this process because my values are different and I'm okay with accepting less for the long vision and knowing what I'm going to create later on. Man, thank you so much for asking that question and recognizing that and validating it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just important, you know, not everybody out there is thinks exactly the same, right? And we know that. But a lot of people, I think their life is a product of the decisions that they've made. And so if we can all make better decisions, then life becomes better. Okay, so now we're basically, you know, we've worked our way through the adult entertainment industry, we achieved success there, highly recognized, we, we said, hey, this is, I want to go 100%. I want to be great at something. This is what I want to be great at. This is in alignment with the lifestyle that I want. I'm going this direction. And you, you dove in and you haven't looked back ever since, right? So Talk to me a little bit about what your life looks like now as you're, I mean, you're signed with the UFC, which is a huge milestone accomplishment for you. I mean, it's no surprise to me based off of what I know about you and your history, right? You'll continue to succeed and knock stuff down. But what is, what's life look like you now? What does seven days a week look like for you in your current industry? Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like every day I'm just like, 
I can't believe that this is my life. And I'm just so happy and grateful. And it's something that I got to create. And it's so cool. <laughs> okay, so what does it look like? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you got caught in the movie there. You're like, it is. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> the best part is like, man, I am just surrounded by greatness every single day. Now I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I train out of a gym called Fight Ready, which has bred champions. The champions come there to become champions. We have Henry Cejudo, Triple C, Wei Lee came through to do her camp. Davidson Figueroa came through to do his camp. John Bones Jones comes through. This is the place that people come through, and I am here. This is my gym. It's just absolutely amazing to get to see all these people, interact with all these people. Now that I'm a UFC fighter, I get to go to Las Vegas all the time and become a part of the PI there, the Performance Institute, and just like being around greatness on a daily basis and having all of the tools that it's like, I came so far for so long without any of this. And now that I'm here, I get to be completely lasered in. I get to be the professional that I always was in here, but actually have all of the tools accessible to me to be able to like, just like climb that greatness ladder. Man, I am so grateful. I'm around world champion coaches. I'm around world champion mindsets. It's like all these things that like, I used to talk to myself quietly, you know, like all of these self-talk things and all the motivations. And it's like, wow, like when you're really living it, it's my goodness, you know, like affirmations are true. You just really become the things that you absorb yourself with. I used to write on note cards, become a UFC fighter. You will be a UFC fighter. And those were like my bookmarkers when I'm like reading and stuff, man. And like, here I am. And I'm just, yeah, I'd like to talk about the numbers. Actually, when you become a UFC fighter, they do a lot of tests on you to see how elite you are. Jeremiah, we were actually communicating back when this happened. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was so blown away because I'm literally one of the most elite athletes in the entire division. So when I say I'm the toughest, when I say I'm the strongest, yep. it's not me like being boastful. It's like it's actual facts. scientific it's fucking facts. Data. Yeah. <laughs> data. And I mean, you know, that's a, that's a product of continuously being competitive all the time, right? It, back when you were, you know, building your your career in the adult entertainment industry, you were being super competitive, but little did you know, you were actually preparing for what you're doing now. Like you were training all the freaking time, right? So I think a lot of people get caught up on what, what should I be doing to get to the where I want to go? And instead of just thinking about how deep can I go into what I'm doing now and become an expert and a master at it, and then trusting that that's going to build them into something greater even later. With, um, with your career, you know, so we talked about some ups, we talked about some downs, and I think everybody sees now the, the life that you're living and, and the success that you have and what you're building towards next. But with that, winning essentially means that you're going to be misunderstood, right, along the way. We're talking a long journey from, from living in an attic to where we're at now. And there's a lot of days in between those, those moments of success that you get, right, the, the highlight reel that everybody else sees. There's a lot of days in between. So I want to talk about being misunderstood along the way. Was that a common theme for you in both chapters, being misunderstood? Yes, but I don't know how to describe it. Sorry. And I think because I've shared so much of my journey with people, I really want to be raw and authentic. So I haven't only shown the ups. I also show the downs. There was a time... I'll bring up specifically, there's a girl named Lupita Godinez. You know, she's getting ready to fight this Saturday. And we fought for the championship belt in the LFA. And that fight went all five rounds. I had 20 stitches in my face, wow. 20 stitches in my face. You guys, this was a heck of a war and I lost that fight. But not only that, it was the recovery process behind it. I've broken my orbital bone a few times. I've broken so many different things. And it's like to not be able to train, to say like, is this it? Really? I came this far and this is... This is the rewards that I'm getting are injuries and broken bones and disfigurements. Am I ever going to look normal again? Now I can't even do my other job as an entertainer. How am I going to do this? How am I going to keep going? Is this worth it? And those are the days that people don't really see. Those are the days that I feel like really shape us as well. 
you know, in whatever industry that you're in, you're going to go through that. Should I keep going? Like, is this worth it? Nobody's really here for me. Like, this is just me sitting by myself on my couch. Everybody's there when you're winning, but who's there when you're struggling? Fuck, yep, damn straight. That's when you find out who you really are and what's actually really worth it to you because no one's going to keep you going in those times but you. And then you can start to lean on other people. But man, like those were the hard days, man. When you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you don't even know you anymore, but who we are as people in here. And that's like, that's like the rawest thing to me because I would see all of this, but I'd remember this, you know? And it's like, why did you come here? So somebody I'm thinking about, because I've had periods of my life that are like that too. And I know somebody that's listening is either in that stage right now. It's a time in between shots, right? It's like golf. The best part of golf is like when you get to tee off, right? And then you're going to walk from one hole to the next. And the time in between shots is like really the longest in the whole game of golf, right? So in that period, it's dark, it's lonely, it's hard. And like you said, nobody's really around as much as you want them around because they come around when the winning happens. And those, those only occur on spikes. So if I'm in that space in between shots and I'm discouraged, I'm down, you know, what, what were the things that you were doing in that moment to stay the course and stay focused that somebody else could use on their own? Just being patient. I remember why I started and it's bigger than myself. Initially, like I have a little brother who is in and out of jail in and out of prison and he has been his whole life. And he watched me when I was messing up and I was like, you know what, I'm going to show you that it doesn't matter where we come from or what people expect of us, we can create greatness through adversity. So it started off with just him, but now it's become bigger than him because that's how I feel. I want to spread that message to the whole world. So when I'm in those stages, it's like, okay, I'm going through this right now, but why am I going through this? And what can I create with this? Here's my pile of shit, but let me create something through my pile of shit. Yeah. Let me take this and being able to just let it flourish, you know, and create those flowers that fertilize it, man. And it's just, it's not easy to do, but I think that the biggest things I was able to do was look outside of me. And it's like, I came this far. Am I going to quit now? I've already been through all of these things. This isn't the finish line. There's more that I can do past this. This is I'm only a moment in the large scheme. You, you hit me in the heart with that. Just remember why you started. I think that that perspective is literally the secret sauce to those moments. It's like you, you have to remember why you got fed up to begin with and what puts you on this current track. And when you do that, it's like it, that perspective changes and you're like, you know what? This sucks, but it's not as bad as where I was before. And I'm not going to fucking stop. On top of that, what you talked about was getting clear and reinforcing your why. Why am I living today? Why am I going through this bludgeoning? Why am I going through all this sacrifice? Who is this really for? Because when you're in those low moments, it's not even about you. If it is about you, it's not enough to get through them. So you got to leverage your why and, and your why was your brother. And like you said, that compounds. And now you have a mission to help more people that are like that and bring them along as well. And then it becomes an obligation. It's like, okay, I don't have a choice. Like I got 22 stitches in my face. I don't have a choice. I got to heal up and I got to get back to fucking training, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's powerful. That's really powerful. Now, M MMA is a very, I've done a lot of hard things, okay? You know, fitness, very hard fitness things, gone overseas several times, been away from the family, been in some combat. And MMA is a very unique sport in that it takes a shit ton of courage. It takes a lot of courage and it's, it's just you and the other person in there. And it's, yes, you have your team that's going to support you and they're going to lift you up and they're going to help you. But at the end of the day, stepping into a cage, it's just you and another person. And not only is it nerve wracking going into the cage in that moment with the other person, but as soon as you know that there's a fight coming, the anticipation is nerve wracking as well. You're going to be in, you're in a, in a training camp for who knows, a couple of months, three months, maybe. And you're gonna have a lot of days where you're nervous about the outcome of the fight ahead. So I really admire that in MMA fighters specifically. And I think that more people should study them because of, of that phase of their training. Okay. So for yourself, I see you as very, very courageous. Okay. Not only just in MMA, but if you look at your track record and every other industry you've been in, you constantly are this person that chooses to be bold in life and you say, fuck it, I'm going forward. So talk to me a little bit about like a training camp. And stepping into the cage and going against somebody, talk to me, like, do you experience fear? Do you have fear in training camp and prior to stepping into the cage? Of course, 
I think that that's like a part of the emotion. It's crazy to say, but it's like to be a psychopath is it's to not really feel any emotion. So like, I think that to feel fear is healthy, but what are you doing with those emotions? And that's the difference in what I've been able to create and what you've been able to create. I know that you've had to have felt fear when you're going overseas and, you know, like you're missing your family, you're doing all these wild things and stepping into the cage against another human who's literally trying to create bodily harm to you and you sign up for that. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> My gosh. So how do you frame you know? that? How do you take that fear and coexist with it and still move forward? Because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. They have the fear and then they get frozen. So for you, how do you frame fear in your mind so that you keep pressing forward and you essentially coexist with it? When I first fought, I remember my coach came up to me and he's like, are you scared? And I was like, um, you know, no, not really. And he's like, all right, good, because you're not going to die. And I was like, oh, that wasn't a thought to me. But (laughs) (laughs) now I might, like now I'm thinking about it. You know, there have been times when I've stepped into the cage and it's like, I'm literally in the cage. And it's like right before the announcer is like about to start speaking. I'm just like, what am I doing there? Like how did all of my life decisions lead me to standing here getting ready to be violent, you know? (laughs) So yeah, like these things happen. But I think that uh, again, it's like, man, like I know what I'm capable of. I know what the rewards are. I also know what the worst case scenario is. And I'm accepting of that. You know, like when I personally step into the cage, I am accepting death. I am ready to just die in there. I am ready to give absolutely everything. I am emptying the tank. I like, I don't want to leave any sort of stone unturned. When I am in training, it's like, what can I do to make sure that as long as I go out there and I give all of me to all that is happening, I cannot regret anything. So like, that is the biggest thing for me. Like, how can I give myself the best possible chance of not only success, but just knowing that I emptied my tank? Yeah. You know, I had a coach one time who said, all I ask is all you have. And that's Mm -hmm. not too much to ask for. And that's the truth. All of us have different levels of capabilities. I am very competitive, but it's not against anybody else. It's against me. What is the best version of me that I can bring to the table every day? And I got to show up for myself. You know, I'm not showing up for my coaches. I chose my coaches. I'm not showing up for my team. My team is showing up for themselves. We're all there together. You know, you got to show up for you. And as long as you're doing that every day, when I step into that cage, I know that I showed up every day and I'm going to show up today in this moment to create whatever is about to happen. And let's go get violent. Play that back, everybody. Play it back. (laughs) Listen to it again, 10 times, because listen, we're just, we talked about fear. We said, Hey, how do I overcome fear? How do I, how do I turn the switch on to not be so scared and still move forward? And Vanessa laid out the steps, but she said that she, you know, Hey, recognize the worst case scenario, realize that that's part of the game, accept it, and then put the odds in your favor. But if you look at what she actually did the whole time she was telling that story about how she works with fear, what she did is she built confidence into herself. We started talking about fear. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous. And then all of a sudden there was a switch that went off in her. And she was like, you know what? This is the reality. And we're going to invoke freaking violence when we get in there. So, so guys, you see, you see how the power that self talks, like you could feel the energy come through. So that's the real strategy and tactic for dealing with fear is is working on that inner dialogue and rec- recognize that you can take over, you can take command of it and then command yourself to move forward with empowering statements like Vanessa just broke down there. Really powerful stuff there, Vanessa. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you, man. You brought just, that out of me. I appreciate that. Yeah, you hit a whole nother level of flow right there. That was good. So <laughs> now, so we talked about, you know, being misunderstood, the hard days in between success. I think that uh, I want to talk a little bit about sacrifice too, okay? You know, because it, it ties into that theme as well. What are some of the things that you've had to sacrifice to get to the career milestone that you're at now? You ready, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you don't get here by choosing hanging out with your friends every single day. You don't get here by partying every weekend. You don't get here by celebrating everything every time. You get here by putting your head down, doing the work, succeeding, and then keeping your head down and doing more work. That's how I ended up here. I've had more sacrifices and I hate calling them sacrifices 
because to me that that makes me feel like I had to choose something and kill something else. Right. It's an investment. You know? It's an investment, right? It's not a sacrifice. Yeah. It was an investment. Yeah, it was. But dude, I, I I gotta say, I've I've taken a lot of really big L's along the way to to take the choice of becoming who I became through mm. those sacrifices. And we'll I'll get back to the question, man. But uh yeah, it's like I I was taking care of my father at one point and he was really sick. And I chose to go and train oh, across dude. the country. Yeah. And my father passed away while I was gone. And that was really, really rough on me, man. And I was like, dude, did I really just choose one or the other? And that wasn't the thing, but it is what happened. You know, I yeah. didn't know that that was going to be the timing of that. And being away from my family, moving my whole life across the country, I didn't have any friends. I didn't know family over there. Like I went from Cleveland, Ohio to California, you know, and there's been times when I moved to New York just to train. I've traveled all around the country by myself, no coaches, no teammates. I'm just like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, and there's been times where I got stuck in other countries. I got stuck in Abu Dhabi one time for an extra week. I got stuck in Canada and it's like, oh, smack. Now I'm in another country. I don't even speak the language. I'm by myself. I don't have any coaches. I have to cut weight by myself. It's been a really long journey. And a lot of it, there weren't people with me all of the time. It wasn't a lonely journey because along the way, like I met friends, I created different relationships, but there was a lot of things where I was like, you know what, I'm done here. I have to move on to the next chapter. This is the chapter. Okay. Like it's time to move on to the next chapter and continue to elevate. But there's a lot of hard decisions. I've had to really close a lot of things and it's hard to close doors sometimes to be able to move forward. You know, and so somebody that maybe is in the middle of their journey to the next milestone that they're trying to hit with their goal and they feel like they're sacrificing and missing out. And maybe it's the old you, like you're thinking about the old you at that time, you taking those losses that we just mentioned, you know, what do you say to that person? Is, you know, is it worth it? You know, what do you say to them to get them through it and encourage them to keep staying on the path? Yeah. Did you come this far to just come this far? You've taken some L's, but is that going to be your story? Is that going to be the end of your journey? Is that going to be where you stop? Or are you going to say, you know what? I've taken these L's and now it's time for me to get some of these W's. Mm. You know, like now I've already taken these steps. Like this is, this is the view that everybody has of me anyways. So fuck it. Let's go create something better. Everybody's already seeing this and that's cool. But like, that's not the end of it. I have more to accomplish. I have more to create. I want to be better. And if they see it or if they don't see it, that's cool. It's not for them. It's for me anyways, you know, but this is already how they see me. So I might as well go and create something better through that. Mm, that's huge. That, so basically, you know, when you take the losses and you figure out a way to create a bigger win off of them, it's like, you know what? Okay. Yeah, this is happening. That's the reality. I can choose to quit or I can create a, a story about how all these losses amount to huge, massive success. And then everybody else's story changes as soon as I change that future reality, right? Absolutely. Like who set the limit? You know, like who made the rules? Who said that that had to be done? Who said that this was the end? Who said this was the finish line? There is no marker. I mean, and, and some things there are, I've always said, like, I never lost. I ran out of time. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's like, okay, so maybe that was the marker. <laughs> that, 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 that but yeah. <laughs> who said that that had to be the end of the journey? And awesome. I get to continue. I get to continue. I mm. have the opportunity to create a different story and rewrite more things past that adversity. What, so, a, what an optimistic way to look at life and look at your situation. I think more people need more of that. And I think that your optimism probably comes from your self-programming, right? Like going back to living in the attic with my, and I got my three by five cards and my affirmations written on there. You're like, you've trained yourself to think in an optimistic way. And no matter what life throws at you, you see a way, you see the silver lining. And I think that more people need to be programming themselves the exact same way. One thing that I, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't touch on is on specifically goal setting and achievement. Because you've, like I said, you've, you've accomplished massive success in both industries. I want to focus a little bit on, on maybe the mixed martial arts segment for this question. You mentioned you've been in MMA for 11 years, right? Is that accurate? Yeah, uh, martial arts in general, yeah. Yeah, okay, mar martial arts for 11 years. And when you kind of look back at what you've achieved, you know, one of the things a lot of people come into this podcast for, and even my coaching, is they look at like, how do I collapse a timeline to a goal, right? And some, some things just take time. Right. Like you're not going to, you're not going to have a baby 
in one month just by getting nine women pregnant, right? It's not going to happen, <laughs> right? Even though there's people out there that are going to try. So some things do take time. However, there is often ways to collapse the timeline towards what we want to accomplish. So when you look back at your mixed martial arts you know, journey in this chapter, what are the things that if you could go back in time and give your experience to the younger version of you, what are some tactics and strategies you would give yourself to kind of speed things along or guarantee success along the way? What would be those things that you do? Man, you said collapsing the timeline. I literally took the longest route. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, if I could give advice, I would tell people, however long you think it's going to take, give yourself three times that, you know, (laughs) oh my gosh. I literally was 21 years old starting the journey. And then Women weren't even fighting MMA, man. Like women were not in the UFC. There wasn't anyone for me to look up to. I just knew I loved it. You know, I just started rocking with it. But man, I wish I would have focused harder. Honestly, I wouldn't trade my journey where I am now, how I got here. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't have changed a thing. The long road is why I am the strongest. It's why I am the toughest. Because I had to overcome so much shit along the way that I never felt like I was good enough. So I always had to just keep pushing, keep pushing. I would have told myself, focus. All of those other little shiny objects that were potential possibilities, they took light away from what I could have been a little bit sooner. So you would have went deeper earlier instead of going like wide and broad and general into what you were doing with, with mixed martial arts, you would have gone deeper and been more laser focused. Is that like, what specifically would you have done differently? No, exactly that. Exactly that. I would have been far more laser had I known what I truly was capable of a long time ago. I started getting really wild with my goals and saying like, can I be the world champion? fuck yeah, I can. Who says I can't? Let's run it. Like full send. And I wish I was full sending a lot sooner, you know, instead of toe dipping. Mm. I'm like, man, like, can I? Uh, yeah. All right, let's try it. Okay. Yeah, that was cool. Nah, fuck that. Jump in. Just do it, man. Like, yeah, don't don't dabble, don't dabble, go all the way in. But with a person like your younger self at 21 years old, the hardest thing is is belief, right? So how do you get that person to say, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to go all the fuck in. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dabble in this. I, how do you help them choose to go all the way in? What would you say to them? And again, because like what I do now wasn't an option back then. It wasn't girls didn't do it. So it wasn't something that like I knew was even possible. I just really wanted it. So I think the biggest thing is, do you love it? If the answer is yes, then you fucking find a way. Look at Ronda Rousey, dude. I mean, say what you want about what her skill set was and, oh, she was overhyped. That's cute. But this woman took something that wasn't even a thing and made it possible for everybody, you know? Just by a choice. It's just a choice. It's just a matter of, I love this thing. I'm going to make it fucking work. And I'm going all the way the fuck in, all in, all out, all the time. And I'm not looking back. It's a matter of choice is what you're saying. Right. I think one of, and I don't even want to call it a mistake, but something that I did was I I started seeing this is, this is more possible. Maybe I should look at this. This is more attainable instead of this is what I want. Right. You know? Yeah. This is what I want and I'm going to get it. Mm, because that's, that's scary I, for I, a lot of people. It's scary. It's scary, it's scary saying this is what I want because they get like, they're like, oh, I, I maybe if, if I can't get it, I'm going to fail. And, and all that shit comes through. But once you fully, fully commit, anything is possible that you want to create. I'm telling you. And a lot of times when you speak to people, Jeremiah, I'm sure like you'll try to ask someone like, oh, like, what do you want to create? And they're like, well, I don't know. I think sometimes people are just scared to really say what they want. You know, I think people do know what they want, but they don't know that it's possible for them. So they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to sound silly. Mm. Would you encourage that person to start telling people? Is that what you would tell them to do? Absolutely. And if you're not going to tell somebody else, tell yourself, Mm. tell yourself, write it down, write it down, write it down, write it down. And then you can start building that confidence and seeing what's possible. When you start telling your closest friends, when you start telling your family, when you start telling the people that you trust who aren't going to talk shit to you, those are the people that are going to start to build you a little bit. And then you can really start owning yourself, but you got to know what you want before you can tell other people what you want. Mm. 
that's man, there's so many great nuggets here. You got to know what you want before you can tell other people what you want. Right. And so start, start with yourself. This and it applies to leadership too. I tell people all the time, the first step is leading yourself. Once you lead yourself, then you can reach back and help everybody else out. Vanessa, man, phenomenal, phenomenal interview today. I want to catch up on some, some admin stuff, like for some housekeeping, essentially, I want people to stay connected with you. And what's the best way if, if people want to stay connected with you on your journey and your, your rise to stardom and fame and just, just watch you hit milestone and milestone and milestone after fucking milestone. How do they go about staying connected with you? What's the best way? Come through to my Instagram guys, Lil Monster Demo, L-I-L Monster D-E-M-O. Say what's up, hit me up, follow, grow. Like I'm telling you, like I share everything, the ups, the downs, the in-betweens, a lot of laughing, a lot of wildness. And a lot of randomness because honestly, you gotta have fun along the way. So I respect that a lot. That's one of their favorite one of the reasons why I love following you is, is because you never know what you're gonna get when you jump in an Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um <laughs> what about what's next for you? Uh, just two more questions. Just what what's next for you? And then uh I have one final question that I'll ask you after that one. So what's yeah, next? UFC fight, you guys. We're fighting in the UFC on January 15th. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. Ah, so cool to say that man. So cool. <laughs> all right and so yeah that's january 15th 2022 we're gonna kick off the year very very strong she's gonna go in there invoke some violence on her opponent and fully release herself and show her competitive side and i'm excited to watch anything else you want to add to the audience anything you want to say to them as we close out oh my gosh guys listen if you are listening to this you need to know how capable you truly are. And if you already know how capable you are, reach a little bit higher, dude. Scare yourself. Get out there. Do some things. Full send. Understand that ain't nobody out there really feeling the way that you feel about what you're doing. Put that heart into it and make it happen. That's what I got for you. Because it is possible. I know that it's possible. So go get it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know you did. And so if you did, make sure you share it with a friend. I know you're thinking of somebody that'd be like, man, this person should really listen to today's episode. Give that gift to them and help them along on their way. Uh, make sure you come back and you, you take notes if you need to. But the main thing that I ask is that you take something from today and put it into action. And I have my notes that I'm going to be actioning after this. And I hope you are too. There's so many great nuggets, everything from remember why you started. And I love what you said, Vanessa, about your, you know, what your coach used to tell you. All I ask is all you have. And that's not too much to ask. That's one of my favorite from this episode. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, if you, if you laughed, if you learned, if you walked away entertained, please share it with a friend. And until next time, be the leader. Thanks, Jeremiah. I appreciate you, man.